0: to be back together again. It's so good to see all your faces. Uh, Breaks are nice, holidays are good, but I did miss gathering with you as a community and worshiping with you uh, together. Um, For the next few weeks, over the month of January, um, we're just doing a bit of a summer series where we've got different people coming to kind of share a little bit of what's on their heart, what God has been speaking to them about and teaching them. And so today, I want to bring to you a verse that has been sitting on my heart over the break and over the holidays, and particularly as we look over this next year, something that I feel like God has been speaking to me. And it's this verse from Psalm 121. It says, I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. I lift my eyes up to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Let's pray. Jesus, as we come back together and we engage with your word, your scripture, your story, I pray that your voice would be heard here, that we would hear what you are speaking to us, both corporately as a church, but also individually, In our own journeys with you. Jesus, we pray that you would speak. In your name we pray, amen. So as we kick off this first year, I wanna begin with a question. Why are we here? Why, Why are you here? Why are you here at this place at this time right now? Because there's lots of places you could be. It's like the first sunny day in like months and you're in a hot tin shed. Why are you here? You could have been in lots of other places. I wanna begin with that question because it's worth, as we kick off this year together, framing our expectations, the the things that ground us, the core values around why we are here and doing what we're doing. Because your expectations can change your interaction with something, right? What you expect of something will change your experience of it. For example, um, when I was a kid, Does anyone remember this movie, A Beautiful Mind? Yeah? How many of you loved this movie? I hated it. I hated this film. Wonder why, 2002, how old would I have been in 2002? Like 13, I guess? Sorry, I'm still young. I was probably 13 in 2002. And when I went to this film, I didn't know anything about it. It's not like you could YouTube trailers or anything back then. It was just like, all right, we'll go see a film with my family. And if you don't know anything about this film, it's about this brilliant mathematician, Incredible mathematician who does all these incredible works and then senses he's being contacted by the CIA for an incredibly life-changing, national, altering, political intrigue moment to fight spies and to help the U.S. against all these counterintelligence agencies. And he gets really in deep with this spy that's telling him to burn things and change things, and it starts to distance his relationship with his wife. And I loved that story. I was there for the spy story. Until you realize about three-quarters of the way through the film, the reason that most adults liked it and not a 13-year-old, was because you find out that he's a paranoid schizophrenic and that all of these CIA journeys were in his mind and it was causing huge breakdowns in relationship. It was the story of a tortured genius drawn into madness. I didn't want to go see a smart film. I wanted spies, I wanted intrigue, I wanted at least a few gunshots, and I have not watched this movie since that first time because of the bitterness that has stayed within my heart. Because my expectations were in a different place. And then when the reality came and they didn't meet the expectations of what I was there for, I was disappointed and frustrated and angry. Now the same is true for church, why are you here? Because we all come, I mean sure, you guys are perfect Christians, but I come here with jaded intentions, right? We all come with expectations of the reasons of why we come to a church community, of what we're looking to get out of a church community, what we hope to achieve after this time. But what are those reasons? And that's what I wanna investigate today. Why are we here? Because we can come with lots of motivations. Sometimes for many of us, church is our spiritual top up during the week. Life is hard, you work a hard job, things are difficult. It's a grind with your family. You have kids and routines, or you work 60 hours a week. And then when Sunday rolls around, for some of you, it's like the spiritual oasis. You, you want to come to church and walk into the grace and the goodness and the peace and the presence of God. You want to be filled with the Spirit. You want worship that is good. It is solid. It is, you know, free. The Spirit can move. People can pray in tongues. Somebody might fall over. Yes, hallelujah. And then you want a preacher that gives you something that's meaty, that's chunky, that's chew the meat, spit out the bones, suck on the fat. I don't know. I've heard Christians use really weird terms to describe sermons. Like, There's a lot of food metaphors. I don't know why, but we want to dig into something and we want to think about it. We want to be challenged. And like, that's good. Like that's not inherently bad by itself. And in fact, myself and others on the staff, we work really, really hard to try and do those things. I know, uh, Mel, you haven't intentionally planned a clangor of a set, have you? Like a a really bad worship set. You don't intentionally plan those, eh? Yeah, right? I don't try to plan bad sermons. I don't try to run things into the ground. But let's be honest. No one bats 100, do they? Nah. I'm going to preach some real dud sermons. That's just going to happen. Some of the worship sets are just going to be off key and there's going to be a feedback the whole time, you know, and the kids ministry, it's loud and it's hot. And you're going to find some Sundays when you come here, you are not going to get the spiritual top up that you wanted. And then there's other challenges in a modern world. Why do you have to come to church for those things? Really, like, if you wanted to, if you're wanting preaching, there are, like, 10,000 podcasts of the world's greatest preachers that you could listen to. Like, what, if you wanted something real hyped up and energy, you could listen to Stephen Furtick. His arms are, like, three times the size of mine. Talks out of the side of his mouth. I don't know why, but it's really engaging, right? You know, you got Furtick. Or if you're more like, no, I'm about spiritual formation. I want depth. I want to grow. I want the disciplines. You could listen to John Mark Comer and his, like, Portland accent. It's really calm. And wow, he reads the New Yorker. That's, a, that's my kind of sermon. You could listen to great sermons there. Or if you don't want a sermon preached to you by someone looking like me, you have Teresa Fry-Brown, who I'm not kidding, is one of the best preachers that I know. If you don't get the chance, you should Google her sermons. She's phenomenal. So if you wanted that spiritual top-up, you could just as easily grab your phone, head down to the beach, plop out your camping chair get the new Hillsong album or the Maverick City album and then live stream or podcast through one of those preachers. If if our hope and our existence of the church is based on giving you a spiritual top-up, we will fail at that. And if you come here solely looking for a spiritual top-up, your expectations will be unmet. It is not to sustain, it's not enough to sustain a long journey. Now, some of you are like, hey, look, I'm not that consumeristic. I don't go to church for that. I recognize it's difficult. I go to church for community. It's not about what happens at the stage. It's what happens in the pews. I want to meet people. I want to be in my connect group, my formation community, my home group, my life group, my circle group. I don't know. There's 10,000 words to brand that we do, but I want to be in those groups to talk with all those people about the groups, engage in real deep relationship, right? That's not bad. It's one of the things we try to do. I set up here that I hope is that it wouldn't be a service you attend, but a community that you can be a part of. And we work really hard to create those spaces. But if you are here just for a nice community, that will last, what, six months? Until you start to actually get to know people. (laughs) And until they start to get to know you. Every, everybody, anyone can put on a good face for six months, right? But after six months, you're like, can you believe they brought that up again? <sighs> they never clean up after themselves. Do you see how their kids run around? And Lord help us, 2023 is an election season. God have mercy. You're gonna suddenly find out that people next to you think wildly different. And you're sitting next to a labor voter? What? They're spending us into infinity. You're sitting next to a national voter? What? They don't care about the poor or social housing. They're just big business focused. Uh, You get what I mean? (laughs) Community sounds nice, but anyone who's tried to engage it knows that it is not easy. And for many of us, when we say community, what we often mean is we want a bunch of people like us. I want a church that has the same demographic as me. Does it have enough young families? Does it have enough retirees? Does it have enough young adults? Does it have enough kids? I'm looking for community, which AKA means people looked like me. But let's remember that one of the key defining factors of community in the Bible was Jesus bringing together people who were the same? No, different. So if you're looking for easy community, this church will disappoint you this year. It will not be enough to sustain you. But some of you know that. You get that. You know life's hard. And so you're like, look, I know it's not about spiritual top ups, I know it's not about community. I'm a mission person. The church exists for the mission of the gospel. We need to serve the poor, feed the hungry, go out into the highways and the byways. I never know what that phrase means, but I hear it a lot and it sounds good, doesn't it? Go out to highways and the byways to reach the lost and go engage in mission, 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 mission. And that's not bad. That's good. The church historically has been on the forefront of some incredible missional acts. I mean, there's heaps of them. You can think about like the NHS in the UK, started by churches getting together to care for the sick amongst them. Uh, Women getting the right to vote here in New Zealand. Do you know that was primarily pushed by young evangelical women? Suffrage came from the church. The end of the slave trade, Uh, we know about the Clapham sect, huge, a bunch of Christians motivated by the gospel of Jesus to end slave trade in the modern world. The church has done some great mission things. But if that's the only reason you're here, just wait until what, next November when it's AGM time and we start talking about budgets and you have to sit there and realize of a church that's involved in mission, we spend a lot of money on things that aren't always mission, don't we? We spend money on just trying to keep things going, trying to keep things ticking over, and you realize that we don't have a monopoly on mission. There's so many other organizations that do incredible mission work, aren't there? You have actual missions agencies, NZBMS. You've got things like Vision West. Uh, You've got things like, um, I I can't remember them. You know them. There's all these huge parachurch organizations that are doing incredible missionary work. And you have to ask, well, if mission's the only thing that's gonna guide you here, You're gonna find a lot of stagnant people that can't be bothered to get out of their butts and do something next week. And that may frustrate you. If you're just here for a top up, we won't be able to give that to you. If you're just here for community, that's gonna be hard. If you're just here for mission, that's gonna be complicated. Why are you here? Why is the church actually worth spending time at? And I realize some of you are sitting back there being like, Colin, go easy. You're the pastor. This is supposed to be your thing, right? Why? There's only one thing that the church has that really gives us meaning. There's one thing that the church holds on to that guides us and moves us. There's only one thing that is worth giving your life to that happens when we try to gather together. There's one thing that we are searching for, and that is the person of Jesus. That's it. Now, some of you I can see be like, well, you just gave us a Sunday school answer, Colin. Of course, Jesus is the answer, right? But often I think we mistake that Jesus really is the answer. The greatest mistake I think we make in the West is we reduce Jesus to a system of values. Jesus is about the ethics, the things that we should do, the things that we should believe, the right actions we should do, the way we should love each other. Jesus is something distant out there that I try to live out down here. But is that the picture of Jesus you get in the Gospels? Is that the Jesus that Paul talks about? Is that the Jesus that wants to work in our lives? No. Hi, Eden. You okay? Yeah. Jesus is not far and distant as much as we sometimes like to think he is. You okay? Do you want to go find mommy? Where's mommy aunt? There you go. Good girl. Listen to how Paul describes Jesus. Again, many of us, if we're not careful, we think Jesus is far off and distant. Listen to how Paul describes the activity in the person of Jesus. The son is the image of the invisible God. He is God that we can see with flesh on. He's the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things were created, things on heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is the basis of all things. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, which is the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. See, for Paul, Jesus isn't just a good story. He's not a good value system that you teach your kid in bedtime stories. He's not something that you hope you emulate a little bit. Jesus is the foundation and basis of all things. He is the foundation of the way that we live, the way that we move, the way that we breathe, and he is not done. He is still working, listen to that. So all things will be reconciled through who? Through the church, nope. Through good actions, nope. Through spiritual top-ups, nope through just community? Nope. How are all things reconciled to God? In and through who? Jesus. So Jesus, in Paul's mind, is not far active and distant. He is still working. He's still working in every community. And the thing about the church is that Jesus, for some reason, in his infinite wisdom, has chosen to use people like you and me. And he has chosen to walk with people like you and like me. One of my favorite verses is when right after Peter stuffed it up another time and put his foot in his mouth, Jesus says to him, Peter, I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And listen to this. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. For some reason, God chooses to grab people like you and me and Peter who are wildly underqualified for the job that he's asking us to do. We're selfish. We're vain. We focus on all the wrong things. We're easily distracted. Most of our desires are really, really stupid and selfish and little. But yet Jesus chooses to grab us and chooses to use us. And through broken people like you and me, he is building a church. And the gates of hell will not overcome it. See, often I think as churches, when we begin these years, we think about all the programs that we need to run and the uh, agenda activities we need to plan. The elders and I are meeting this Saturday to plan a lot for the year, and that's good. That's not bad. We should do that. But it is very easy to assume that God needs our ministries to get his kingdom advanced in Papamoa. But God doesn't need our ministries. Our ministries need him. God, Jesus doesn't need our worship on Sunday. Our worship needs Jesus to actually connect us with the Father. God doesn't need you and me. We need him. I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? From programs? No. From structures? No. I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And before we get big-headed about it and say, well, as a church, we're going to try and do all these big things this year, Jesus reminds us in John, in his final discussion with his disciples, I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. So here's the reason why I think the church is incredible, why I'm willing to give my life towards it, why I'm willing to put so many hours and blood, sweat, and tears and sweat on here with you on Sundays, although I hear some of you freeze depending on your location with the air conditioner. So 50% 50 of us sweating, 50% of us freezing. That's golden sands, right? I'm here not because I have grand plans, but because for some reason, Jesus has grabbed me by the scruff of my neck And he has grabbed you by the scruff of your spiritual necks and he is dragging us together into this space and saying, come and follow me as I bring my kingdom into this neighborhood at this place and this time. Come and follow me as I share my gospel with people. Come and partner with me in the ministry that I do. Jesus again and again says to you and me, come and follow me. So as a church, I can't promise you that we're gonna be your spiritual top up every week. We're gonna get it wrong. As a church, I can't promise you perfect community because you're gonna find people that frustrate the living daylights out of you here. Nor can I promise you perfect mission that we are all perfectly sacrificial at all times because many of us are selfish and we're tired and we can't do all the things we'd want to do. But there's one thing that I can assure you that is worth being here for. For some reason, the great goodness of Jesus has graced us with his presence. He has a plan and a purpose for this community and it boggles my mind as to why, but he has called each of us by name to join him in what he's doing here. I'm here because Jesus is here and he's wanting to do something in this space. Why are you here? It's all about Jesus. He is our hope, And this year is gonna be a big year for us as a church. We're gonna be shifting buildings at some point in June Hopefully in June, if it doesn't take too much longer. We're hoping to hire a new pastoral staff member in the next coming months. And with that are some huge financial challenges. If you're at our AGM, you recognize that we've got trying to get this move done. We've got probably about a 50K deficit that we're going to have to try and match and overcome. This is going to be a huge year for faith. I want to ground us in this moment for remembering why we are here and why we are doing all of this. It is not because we have grand, amazing plans. It's not because we're the most competent and the most amazing people. It's because Jesus is doing something and I just desperately want to be a part of it. Jesus is moving here and I just want to stay close to what he is doing. And so for us, church, as we start this year, let us remember this phrase, I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Uh, Leighton, can I invite you guys up? We're going to finish with a song. But I want to encourage you. Easy at this point of the year. We're getting back into the rhythms of things. We're launching on. And many of us have to-do lists that are as long as our arms. Can I remind you that your hope And your future comes not from your efficiency or your planning, but it comes from the person of Jesus walking next to you and with you. The challenges that you face, I know many of us have come in today with huge challenges before us. And it's so easy for us to put heads down and try and work it out and get it done. Do not forget where your help comes from. Your help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Jesus, this year, is calling you to follow him. And he's calling you to follow him closer than you've ever followed him before. He wants you to grow in your faith. He's going to push you to step out in things you're uncomfortable with. He's gonna challenge you to let go of some things you didn't wanna let go of. But Jesus wants to work in your life. And as he works in your life, he wants to work through this church community. Not because we're amazing, we're not. But he has grabbed each and every one of us by the scruff of our spiritual necks and brought us along For an incredible journey. Where does our help come from? I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? Our help. Your help. This church's help. It comes from the Lord. The maker of heaven and earth. Would you stand? I'm going to pray for us. And then we're going to sing a song of praise and declaration. And as we pray, can I encourage you... If you are walking with things that you're challenged or faced with, can I encourage you today to begin to give those over to the person of Jesus and allow him to work in and through you this year? Jesus, we are not a perfect church. Far from it. We are, um, so many of us here, despite the appearances we may try to give, many of us are broken, we're insecure. We're selfish, we think of ourselves usually more than others. We're defensive, and often we focus on all the wrong things. But Jesus, I thank you that the hope of this church, the hope of the gospel, and the hope of this community doesn't rest on human shoulders, but it rests on yours, the one in whom and through whom all things are made and have their being and are held together. Jesus, as a church, we again just fix our eyes on you and say, Jesus, we need you. This year, as a church, Jesus, we need you. If you do not walk with us and go before us, we are blind. If you do not provide, we are poor, we are running out. If you don't lift and move, we are powerless. Jesus, would you come and move amongst us? And for each person here on their own journey, I don't know what they're walking through, what they're facing, but I pray right now that by the power of your spirit, you would draw them back to you. Would you remind them that where their help comes from is you, the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Whether that help needs to be something in their profession, in their job that they're struggling with, whether that's in a relationship that they're uh, having tension with and can't reconcile with, whether that's in a parenting situation with their kids, or whether it's a financial situation or a health situation, God, whatever people are walking through, would you remind them that today, Jesus, you are with them. You will not leave them or forsake them because you promised to be with them. And you always are faithful to your promises. And as a church, we again cry out for your grace amongst us. Jesus, we need your presence more than anything else, more than any program, any team, any building, any staff member. Jesus, we need you and your spirit working amongst us. So Lord, would you draw our hearts back to you today? Remind us of your goodness and help us to know that our help comes from you, the maker of heaven and earth.